Well, good morning and welcome to CarnegieFree.com. Thanks to everyone for tuning in online this morning. We are in this series, Dangerous Prayers. What uh, wonderful worship Matt led us in this morning. Grateful for our worship team these days. And thanks to Brian for, for those announcements. As we have a lot going on in the church, even though we're just now worshiping together online. Uh, my name's Adrian. I'm one of the pastors here at Carney E. Free. If you're a newcomer here with us at CarneyEFree.com, we extend a special welcome to you. Our vision statement here is really simple. Every person matters. And even if you've never been in our building, even if you're just joining online, we are so grateful that you chose to join us today. And uh, maybe you're over at a neighbor's house uh, this morning, or you're watching in the comfort of your living room, or you're watching on your phone, your computer, however you're doing it. We are grateful though, that you're here with us, and we are one church family, even across all of the digital mechanisms though, that we're using right now. You know, we've been doing this live stream uh, for the past couple of years at CarneyEFree.com and a number of different mechanisms, um, but now we're really getting to work out with it, aren't we? Uh, we've been using it a ton over these last couple of weeks, and want you to know that we're using it across all of our larger group ministries throughout the week men's ministries and youth ministries and a Saturday night children's directed ministry and women's ministries on Monday night and just across the board we're trying to maximize this as it's difficult for us not to meet together on Sunday mornings. It's been a tough month, hasn't it? It's been a really tough month. As I think back, it was uh, three weeks ago that we really started modifying our greeting practices and handing out our handouts and the way we do all that here on Sunday mornings, we changed all that up, eliminated the greeting in order to remove touch, which was tough when you're a hugger like me. And we did that again the following Sunday, two weeks ago, and we're able to have church, but it was a smaller number of us who were able to gather together that morning, and we didn't take a formal offering. We just had offering boxes out there, and yet people have been really generous to mail in their checks and to go online to carneyefree.com and to give there. And last Sunday, so grateful for Pastor Jordan as he gave a wonderful message out of Psalm 51, God have mercy on me. And this longing for heart transformation that we all want to have, especially during this time. This is a great time to do inventory and ask God for his mercy and for heart transformation. I gotta tell you, I'm so grateful for our entire staff. Uh, Jordan, great job last weekend. Our entire staff has just been huffing it over these last weeks. Our tech team, our communication guys, uh, everything across the board. It's been an amazing team effort over these past weeks. And I want you to know that even though we're not with you on a day-in and day-out basis like we normally are, your elders and your staff, we pray for you. We pray for you every day, and we take that with utmost seriousness. If you need help right now, please let us know here at the church. We'd be happy to help you in any way that we're able. I encourage you to remember as we continue in this season of ministry together, we don't know how long it'll last, but I encourage you to remember uh, these wonderful wise words of Surgeon General Jerome Adams. I'm sure you've heard these by now, but he said simply, social distancing does not mean social disengagement. Did you hear that when he said that? Social distancing doesn't mean social disengagement. This brilliant, simple line. And I've loved seeing the creativity of our church 
as people have been maintaining engagement with one another, even as we practice this new idea. I'm so sick of talking about social distancing. But even as we talk about that, I'm so grateful for the the, the word of social engagement in spite of social distancing. And I've heard all kinds of great stories of neighbors reaching out to neighbors, dropping off notes and little gifts to their neighbors. I heard of a newspaper delivery man, a, a boy who went out to his entire route and he printed a little note on every newspaper saying, if you have an, an immunodeficiency disorder or you're elderly and you'd like me to shop for you, just let me know. Uh, if you need me to pick up prescriptions, just let me know, that kind of thing. Uh, I know neighbors are having neighbors over for, for coffee and perhaps even to watch the worship service here today. Some large life groups in our church that have 20 people have said, you know, now's the time for us to meet just with eight or nine of us. And we still need to meet and we'll practice social distancing from each other and we'll really wash our hands a whole lot. But we need to be together. And others are just meeting through Zoom meetings or Google Meet meetings and all kinds of digital technology. But the key is we stay in touch with each other during this really difficult season. Because no matter where you're from today, no matter where you're watching from this morning, no matter what religion background you might have or no religion at all, no matter what your financial picture is today, no matter what your health status is today, we are all in this together. And we have this need together for something called community, which is powerful for igniting our hope. And without community, we oftentimes feel this great loss of hope. I want to share a psalm with you this morning, the time that we have together. It's a psalm that's really encouraged me a lot over these past weeks. And it's encouraged a few of our leadership teams. I've shared it with them. But I'm going to share it in expanded capacity, though, this morning. I pray that it be a blessing to you even in these weeks to come. It's Psalm 46, if you want to turn there with me right now on your device or on your Bible. It's in the middle of your Bible, Psalm 46. Uh, before I read it, uh, you know, it, it's been said that a human can live without food for 40 days. And a human can live without water for four days. And amazingly, we can live without air for four minutes. But a human can only live without hope for four seconds. And we're in that place right now that many of us feel like we're now living without hope. Partly because of COVID-19, but frankly, way more than that too. We have people I know who are watching right now in their living rooms who are worried about their marriages. Their marriage is on the brink of divorce. And that's been here before this virus, and it'll be here afterwards. We have others who've been struggling with their kids in a mighty fashion, and their kids have been rebellious, or, or kids who are really struggling with really, really angry parents. We have others who have felt a level of isolation for a long time, and now that's just intensified. There are others that are dealing with chronic illness, either mental or physical. There are others still who are struggling financially and have been for quite some time. And left alone, without some intentional actions, we can feel a loss of hope. Here's what the Bible tells us. First uh, Peter 5, 7 says, Cast your cares on the Lord because he cares for you. What are your cares today? What are your anxieties today? Whatever they might be, related to this virus or anything else, all of us, 
have to regularly throw our cares on God. I love this description. It's like a bowling ball. You take your cares off your stomach, off your shoulder, and you throw them on God because he cares for you. The question is, how do you do that? And for me personally, over these past number of weeks, Psalm 46 has been really, really helpful in repeatedly casting my cares on the Lord. So uh, let's pray together, and then we will read Psalm 46. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for every family that is gathered together this morning in their living rooms or around the kitchen table. Thank you for every individual who is gathered in their apartment on their phone. Thank you for friends who are gathered near and far away in Kearney and in Shelton and Gibbon and Wood River in Riverdale and Elm Creek and Amherst and all over this central Nebraska region. We're grateful, Lord, to be together digitally even as we would like to be together in person. We're grateful, Lord, to be together in this place here and now. Thank you, God, for your mercy to us in a difficult hour. We pray that you would open our eyes to the power of the scriptures and you would teach us today as we gather in these moments. Please lead us in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, maybe um, I'd like to ask for a little bit of help from you, right where you're seated in your living room or wherever else, would you just put your hands together and push hard for a few seconds and then relax. Okay, let's do that again and after I count to three, push really hard and I count to three and then I want you to say the word harpoo. Ready? One, two, three, harpoo. Okay, one more time. Push really, really hard together. Feel the tension. And then relax it. One, two, three. Harpoo. Okay, I could almost hear you through the TV screen. Thank you. That, that word harpoo is the Hebrew word for this famous verse in Psalm 46. Be still. Be still and know that I am God. Psalm 46 verse 10 says... Um, I would actually argue that perhaps a better translation of the NIV's be still and know that I am God comes from the NASB, which says, cease striving and know that I am God. It's a second person plural imperative. It's a command. What the author is saying here in Psalm 46.10 is, relax. Chill out. He's commanding you all, second person, plural, everyone. If you're in the South, it's like all y'all. All y'all, chillax. Because I'm God. That's what he's saying. He's not just saying be still and do nothing because I'm God. We could maybe do that for five or six minutes. But we can't do that as a lifestyle. What we can do as a lifestyle is relax. Knowing that we are in the presence of God, knowing that he is God. To even cease striving in this moment as we keep on serving, keep on loving, keep on praying, keep on persevering, and we're relaxed as we do so because we know God is God. Listen to Psalm 46. And perhaps we'll see how. God is our refuge and our strength and ever-present help in time of trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, 
Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and form and the mountains quake with their surging, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, Harpoo! Command, be still! And know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. So this is a song of praise from these young men who are called the sons of Korah. And Korah was a worship leader in the southern kingdom of Israel called Judah. And his sons are also worship leaders. They're like little Matt Demerets, if you will. And they're writing this beautiful song as a song of praise. And it's amazingly instructive to me that they are giving this beautiful song of praise in the middle of international chaos. Incredible destruction. What Israel has just gone through is a civil war in which the north of Israel has seceded from the union, if you will. The north of Israel, now called Israel, has seceded, and Korah and his sons are writing this psalm from the south of Israel, which is now called the kingdom of Judah, the nation of Judah. And not only has there been civil war, but there's been this economic collapse that has occurred. And in addition to economic collapse, there's other nations that are joining forces to rise up and wage war against the southern kingdom of Judah in its vulnerable state. They've experienced many natural crises in Israel. And in the midst of all of that, the sons of Korah say, you can be still in this present moment because God is in your present moment. You can be still in this present moment because God is in your present moment, whatever it might be. And the structure of this psalm is really, really simple. If you look at your Bible, it's basically just this. Verses 1 through 3, God is our refuge in a natural crisis. Verses 4 through 7, God is our refuge in a political crisis. And then verses 8 through 11, God is our refuge in the end. Whatever happens, God is our refuge in the end. Here's the first one. God is our refuge in a natural crisis. God is our refuge in any natural crisis. You see this in verse 2 and 3. Look what he says. Uh, we will not fear, though the earth give way, and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, and the mountains quake with their surging. Uh, he's describing an earthquake, <laughs> which is common to the Middle East. I wonder, have you ever been in an earthquake? I have not been in one, but I'm told that the most natural thing when the mountains quake in an earthquake is you begin to quake. Uh, have you ever been in a tornado? I'm guessing many of us have been in a tornado, and surely the same kind of thing. The most natural response would be fear, that we would quake when a tornado is on the horizon. But he says, amazingly, the sons of Korah writing this together say, we do not fear 
though the earth gives way. Mm. But why is that? No, that's verse 1. Because God is our refuge. A very present help. He is our strength. He's our refuge. He's our strength. In this time of trouble. <laughs> so we don't fear. God is our refuge. You know, the word refuge means safe home. It even means mansion. So you see this word refuge all over the Bible. Frequently it's ascribed to God, that God is our refuge. You can insert in that God is our safe home. Not something, the very person of God, being in his presence, spending time with him as we have some more time together as families right now. God is our safe home. Like, imagine this, the house that you are sitting in right now, that's, that's not really your safe home. God himself is your safe home. Another uh, translation for the word refuge is mansion. You could say, God is my mansion. Most of us are not going to have a mansion here on earth, but we have God, and God is our mansion. He is our fortress. He is a very present help in time of trouble. A fortress is a strong protector who helps us well when we're weak. God is the one whom we find our protection and sustenance from. He is our fortress here and now. This is about God being very present with us in our present moment, wherever we are today. Israel understood that God didn't just make this covenant with them that he made with Moses way back in the day that he would be with them as he brought them out of slavery. That, that's when he first said, I will never leave you, I'll never forsake you. He said that to Moses. But uh, they understood it wasn't just that God would be with them as they came out of slavery in Egypt. They understood that God would be with them in the wilderness wanderings. And God was with them in the tabernacle across 40 years of very, very dark days. 40 long years of very, very dark days. God was with them. He was the refuge. He was present with them. And then they understood that God would be with them when they went into the promised land and then ultimately they built the temple in Jerusalem in their holy city and there he was with them in that place. And we understand all the more in the New Testament that Jesus promises uh, he'll never leave us, he'll never forsake us, that he is always with us through the Holy Spirit and we are now actually that habitat where God dwells. That we are the home for God. That God chooses to dwell within us that he makes his refuge within us so that wherever we are, no matter what we're doing, we can have him as our safe place, as our home, as our shelter. He's our refuge and he's with us here and now in our present moment, well, wherever we might be. We're in this natural crisis in which no one is to blame. We'd like to look for someone to blame, but no one's to blame except for a fallen world. And one day, God will bring about justice and everything that is wrong will be overturned and God will bring about redemption to the earth as well. Romans 8 says that things like tornadoes and viruses and earthquakes were not a part of God's original plan. One day he will redeem all of those. He will make all things right well one day. And all of creation longs for the Son of Man to, be re to, to come to redeem this world, to make all things right. But until that time, even today, God is still present with us in our present moment. God is our present refuge in this natural crisis that we're in together. We wait eagerly for the day that he will come and make all right, but in this moment, for now, we still have a safe home in him. And then it says, it goes on to say that God is our refuge in a political or economic crisis. 
on your screen right now might say political crisis, but the truth is any political crisis usually is an economic crisis as well. It was for Israel back then, and it certainly is for us today, and God is our refuge in any political or economic crisis. You know, as mortar bombs and rockets are like a very common experience for anyone in Israel or Palestine today, they just live with that constant fear of mortar bombs and rockets going back and forth their borders. So back then, when the sons of Korah were writing this beautiful psalm, there was a constant fear of other nations invading them. And there was a constant fear of war. And with war, division. And with division, economic crisis. And with the war, People coming back in great pain from the battlefield. Does this sound at all familiar to us? Listen to this poetry in verses 9 and 10. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow. He shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, Harpoo! I'm God. Be still. Know that I'm God. I'll be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. I will shatter the spear and break the bow. God's got this in the end, it's saying. The hope is, our expectation, more than a hope, is our, our expectation is the Alpha and the Omega will one day return and he will bring, bring peace to this broken, war-torn world. He's not saying be at peace because there is no suffering He's saying, be at peace in spite of the current suffering that we all experience right now. He's saying, suffering will come. Harpoo. Relax. Suffering will come. Harpoo. I got this. God's ultimately in charge. Look at verse 4, and once again, you'll see the suffering that Israel was experiencing back then. Uh, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God the place where the Most High dwells. Uh, let me just pause uh, in your living room. What is the city of God? What's the place where the Most High dwells? It's Jerusalem, right? Okay. There's a river whose streams make glad the city of, dry, of, of God, the place where the Most High dwells. That's Jerusalem. God is within her. She will not fall. Well, let me just ask you this question. If you know your Bible history, if you know Middle East history at all, did Jerusalem ever fall? Many times did Jerusalem ever experience economic crisis, political crisis, war? Many times. The promise that is given here is not that nations won't fall. It's not that the Dow Jones won't fall. The promise is that you are the people of God by faith, and the kingdom of God will not fall. And if you're a part of the kingdom of God, if you understand that through faith in Jesus Christ, you are now a child of God, then you are a part of his kingdom, which will never come to an end. Every other kingdom, every other political power, every other economic power will one day, this is hard to say, it's hard to even think about, but ultimately one day it will be defeated. It'll, it'll fall, every one. Like, we don't talk about the Roman Empire anymore except for in our history books, right? But it was extraordinarily powerful. We don't talk about the British Empire much anymore. Extraordinarily powerful. What remains? 
kingdom of God which will never fall. It'll never fail. And you can be a part of that kingdom in God's family. God is our refuge when there's a political and economic turmoil in the world. And we are reminded of that today when it feels like so much is in flux. Friends, there is much good, and I'm not making light of this at all. There is much good that we have enjoyed for a long, long time that is being lost and is likely to be lost. And that will be hard, and it is already. There's much good that is going to fall, and that will be hard. But we can still remember that God is our refuge, our safe home, no matter what is lost. He is present with us in this present moment. We can still harpoo, because God is still God. And he's got it in the end. I mean, the point of Psalm 46 is this, that even if the mountains fall into the ocean, even if political kingdoms are no more, even if the Dow Jones plummets further, take heart. Be strong. Be tough. Because God is for you and he's not going anywhere. God is with you, and he's present in this moment. Harpoo. And know that God is God in the midst of any political or economic crisis. And then finally, we simply say God is our refuge in the end. God is our refuge in a natural crisis. God is our refuge in a political economic crisis. And God is our refuge in the end. Uh, all that we're going through right now, it matters a great deal, and we are wise to take the time and the energy to bear one another's burdens, to sympathize with each other in the midst of this crisis. But we're also wise to remind each other to look up. Like, it's good for us to get down in the sand with people, to get down in the mud, to get down in the valley with people and feel the pain that they are feeling, but it's also wise at times to remind people to look up. Because if we spend too much time in the valley, then we forget the greatness of our God who's able to overcome the valley. And sometimes I think this is the kind of time that we need to remind ourselves to look up because in the end, God has got this. God works all things together for his good. He works all things together for your good. If you are called according to his purpose, even this can be worked together for our good if we're called to him. If we have responded to that calling, we've become part of the children of God, then he will work this for our good. And in the end, live or die, God has got this. God has got us. And so we can relax. You might be saying to me, Adrian, I could relax amidst this crisis if I knew what the outcome was. And I get it. I'd like to know the outcome too. But does God ever really tell us the outcomes? That's where trust comes in. He doesn't tell us the outcomes. Now, he does tell us one final outcome. Just read your Bible. Read the end. Read Revelation 19 through 21, and you'll see the end, how it culminates, and it's really, really good for all those who trust in Christ. He does tell us that final outcome, but in the midst of the crises though, that we experience, he doesn't frequently tell us the outcomes. He's not saying relax because we know the outcomes. He's saying, we can relax, Bill, because you know me. You know me. Nor is he saying, kind of relax, life is good. You, you know that clothing brand, life is good? 
clothes, t-shirt, there's hats, maybe you see bumper stickers on people's cars, life is good. People aren't saying that as much right now. <laughs> and uh, God is not saying in Psalm 46, relax, life is good, chill out, life is good. No, it's not very good right now. He's not saying that. That would be syrupy. That would be weak. That would be vacuous. That would be empty. No, he says, relax, because I'm good. Relax because God is good. Relax because I am loving. Relax because I am strong. Relax that I am always and everywhere present with you. I am for you, not against you. Relax because I have your eternity secured. Relax because your destiny is mine and I call you by name. Relax because I got you in the end. Be still and know that God will be exalted in the end. Exodus says the same thing as Israel's about to fight against the greatest empire of that age, the Egyptian empire, the Egyptian civilization, and they're badly outnumbered. And Exodus says, the Lord will fight for you. You only need to be still. The Lord your God will fight for you. You only need to harpoon. Relax. Now again, there, there might be some moms at home right now, you're saying, Adrian, I would just love to be still for about five minutes. And I got a family of seven here, and I ain't never get no five minutes to be still. That's all I want is just to be still. <laughs> and maybe there's some uh, 13, 14-year-old boys that are watching, you're like, mm, be still. I don't like that. That's like what mom says when I'm being antsy at church. She holds onto my thigh, and she says, be still. It's not that. It's neither of those. It's way bigger than that. It's be still, even as you are serving, even as you are loving, even as you are persevering, even as you are praying, even as you're suffering, be still, because you know God has it in the end. This is just the gospel, that's all this is. We're able to handle stuff that happens in this world different than other people are able to handle it because we know that God is God. This is the gospel. We're able to be still as we take proper precautions because we know God has it in the end. We're able to be still because God died for us in Jesus Christ and he conquered death on that Easter Sunday and he calls us by name and we know that he wins in the end. And so we don't have to go about these days in a frantic Worry. We can be still before the presence of our God, knowing that he is present with us in this moment. Ultimately, in the end, he has it. He calls us by name. This is the gospel. Sit in it. Dwell in it. Receive God's never-ending love for you by name. He's strong for you in this time of weakness. So here's my question for you. And maybe you would engage in this with a friend by text or with your family right where you're seated in just a moment but the question is simply this what can you know about God that is solid and real that you can hold on to during this time when it feels like all of life is becoming unglued when you feel like we're in a dark hour and we are what can you hold on to that is solid and real and that is light during this hour here's a few answers he's strong he's loving he's able to help 
He's willing to help. He's always and everywhere present. He is for you and not against you. You will lose some things in this world, but in him you may still have peace. You take heart because he has overcome this world. Because he lives, so also we will really live. Take heart, harpu. Now, if you want to apply this this week, we're talking about dangerous prayers. You want to apply it this week? Just take Psalm 46 and pray it every morning. Take the specific lines that you love in this and pray through it each day. For me, before I wake up, or after I wake up, first I got to wake up, before I get breakfast, I'll take 10 or 15 minutes downstairs in my prayer chair. Frequently, I'll light a candle to remind me of the presence of Christ, who is the light of the world, and he's our light right now. And I will sit down, and I will open up my hands, and I will say to God, here I am. Would you make me aware of your presence in this present moment? And then I might breathe in, be still, breathe out, and know that I'm God. I might do that three or four times. Relax, Adrian, and know that God is God. And I ask God for help to relax in this moment and know that he is God in the end, to be my refuge, to be my safe home, to be my fortress, to be my protector, to be the protector of my family, to be the protector of this church, to be the protector of our neighborhood, to relax and to serve as he would have me to serve. And then as the day goes on, after five or ten minutes of that, anxiety will flood back into my belly, as I'm sure it does to you, and then I have to go back into that quiet place to be with God and say, God, would you help me once again to relax and remember that you reign, that you're God, that this world is in your good hands, and ultimately I trust myself to you. And you might need to do this repeatedly throughout the day, but I would encourage you to do it every day for the next week. You might not do your Bible reading plan this next week. You might do this instead. That's okay. Give yourself liberty to receive the presence of Christ for you here and now to be still with God in this present moment as he wants to be with you. Harpoo. He's got it. Relax. Because God is our refuge in this natural crisis. And God is our refuge in this political economic crisis and God is our refuge live or die no matter what in the end would you pray with me oh father it's in moments like this that I am so grateful for Jesus I'm so grateful that everything that happens in this world is not what ultimately defines us it's not the ups and downs and the peaks and valleys of this place. It's what Jesus has done for us on the cross and what he did for us on that Easter Sunday to defeat the grave. 
Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the great promise which can never be stopped because you defeated the grave. Because you live, so also we may live. And in this world, we will have trouble, but we can take heart. You have overcome the world, and in you, we have peace. So, Father, would you please bury that into our hearts this week? I pray that our church, that our community, for everyone who is watching today, that we would not just believe it mentally, but that this week we would believe the gospel emotionally, spiritually, at a heart level. And because we overflow with your love, we would have a little bit extra to give to those around us who do not know the hope of the gospel, that God ultimately has us, God ultimately has this in the end. Oh, how we love you. Oh, how we thank you that you loved us first. We return to you again and again, giving thanks for your presence to us, to ours, to our families in this present moment. Through Christ we pray together.